Beth. He is a missionary. He's doing missionary work out in uh, Australia, Perth, Australia, with YWAM. Uh, and uh, his flight has not yet arrived, though he is uh, soon to be, if not already, in the air, and uh, he is going to speak with us next week. So next Wednesday night, you won't want to miss that, and he'll be sharing uh, on part two of how to live it out, you know, in our in our faith. So tonight, uh, <clears throat> we've arranged the schedule. He was scheduled to speak, and he was so gracious to be flexible with us. One of my dear friends and someone who the Lord has really anointed with a gift of teaching and uh, really just um, diving into the Word. And I'm excited that he's going to share with us this evening, Pastor Justin Bashirs. Just let me get my stand, because these flimsy little things won't hold my Bible. I'm kind of old school. Yes, please, yes. That little mic stand won't hold this. How are you? Half of you all right? Rest of you, you going to make it? Are you going to be all right? Okay. Um, if you notice this beautiful t-shirt that I have on, it says, lay it down for the king. If you don't know, Overflow Nation is you guys, and we've got some things out in the foyer afterwards. If you want to take a look at um, Brad and myself, or raising funds in a number of different ways. We've got t-shirts, we've got CDs out there uh, for all you hip-hop lovers. And if you're not hip-hop lovers, I guarantee you have a nephew or a cousin or a next-door neighbor or somebody that needs the gospel. So go check us out, come talk to us afterwards. Um, Tonight, I don't have a slideshow or Um, Any funny pictures or anything of that nature, what I do have for you, though, is a Bible and a testimony. And so that's what I'm going to bring to you tonight is the Word of God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share your Word tonight. I thank you so much for the opportunity to share about my life and about your goodness in my life and about how you are the center of my life. I thank you that um, we have come ready to learn We've come ready to listen to you and not me, God, because we're here for you. We're here to glean from you. We're here to enjoy your presence, Father. I pray that you would shape us, mold us, change us, correct us, convict us. Whatever it is that you want to do in us tonight, God, we open up our hearts and we open up our ears and we open up our lives and we say, have your way. Father, we love you and we thank you and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen, amen, amen. So... As Kevin alluded to, this is the Jesus at the Center series, and um, I will be the first to admit that Jesus has not always been the center of my life. B.C. and A.D., and that's just me. Um, When I was preparing for this teaching, you know, of course, the other guys that are going to speak was like, what are you going to do? Hey, man, what are you going to speak on? Hey, what are you going to do? And um, I said, I don't know. I'm just going to, going, to, going to let the Lord reveal to me. And in his goodness, um, he allowed me to walk through some things prior to giving me a word to share with you tonight. I don't know if that happens in your life, but he seems to show up before he tells me he showed up. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. So tonight, we're going to be talking about how Jesus is at the center 
through the power of a daily devotion. A daily devotion. So I'm going to give you the definition of devoted. Very loving or loyal. I have a dog that is devoted to me. She is loyal. She used to be my wife's dog. And then when we got married, she became my dog. So now she is snooty and, and um, she sticks her nose up to my wife. My wife will say, Lucy, come on, you go outside. And she'll just sit there and look at her. And then I get up and say, Lucy, come on, let's go outside. And here she comes. So she's now my dog and she's devoted to me. Um, I'm just saying. It fits, right? The second definition is given over to the display, study, or discussion of. So I'll say that again if you're writing it down. Given over to the display, study, or discussion of. I am devoted to brushing my teeth. I have not always been devoted. As you can see, that there are several that are missing right in the front. There was a period of my life where I, my mother had to tell me, you go brush your teeth. Because as a 12-year-old, I didn't think that's something you had to do or should do. I thought it was optional. I thought it was okay to eat a Jethro bowl of cereal at about 10 o'clock at night and then just go to bed and not brush your teeth. Well, now, as a 30-year-old, I'm, I'm paying the price for that, as you can see my beautiful smile. So now I'm a little bit more devoted to brushing my teeth. I'm devoted to drinking water. Let me ask you, how long do you think you could go without drinking water? About, about three, I don't know what the study is, about three days, five days. I know everybody's got different opinions. They said, well, you can go 60 days without food, you can go to, but without water, you can only go for about three, four days. Um, but yet in my life, I think it's sometimes to go days, weeks, and months without the daily water of the word. For some reason, we've got this skewed idea that we can be devoted to so many different things, but since God is understanding, it's okay if I miss a few days, because after all, this is not religion, right? This is a relationship. That's what I'm bombarded with. Everywhere I go, it's all about a relationship, man. Jesus just wants a personal relationship. It's not about religion. It's not about rules and regulations. It's not about start doing A, B, and C and stop doing X, Y, and Z. And yeah, that's true. But anybody that works out or has ever been on a plan or a diet or anything will tell you, if you miss one day, then the chances increase 50% that you will fall off the wagon. I guess Is that the right word to use? Is that the, I don't know if that's the right phrase when you talk about dieting and working out, but... Um, you miss two days, you can pretty much hang it up. Because, on, because if those two days are Wednesday and Thursday, then your girlfriend calls on Friday and says, hey, can you meet me and so-and-so? We're going to have dinner tonight. It's Tom's birthday. And you're like, let me look up the menu. Oh, no, they don't have nothing. And they've got that lava cake that I like. So <laughs> might as well hang it up. And so even though we were devoted, we started out so strong, it only took a couple of days and we're right back to say, oh, I'll try again later. People that have ever quit smoking, they'll tell you them first couple of days are very, very crucial because if you don't stay the course, you'll fall right back into the same patterns. But yet in our devotional life, it's become okay 
to go to church on Sunday and worship with a group of believers. And then I come on Wednesday and I hear somebody bring the word. And matter of fact, he's going to have about four or five scriptures up there. And then I can look them up on my phone and I'm good to go. But I know in my life, I've got about 60 seconds when I wake up in the morning to determine who is in charge. I'm serious. Sometimes I don't even make it from the bed to the bathroom. It is from here to that stand before I determine, God, you're in control of my day. If I'm supposed to be at work at 7 and it, I wake up at 6.35, it, then it takes about 15 seconds for me to be in control because all of a sudden now my attitude is bad. Dang, I'm late for work. I don't want to be late. Oh, no. Has anybody ever been late anywhere? And you know that stupid feeling that you have? You're like, ah, I don't know what to do, but I'm still going to be late. And so you think by hurrying up and getting crazy that it's going to make you on time, but it never does. You're still late. But I'm devoted to my job. So I go anyway. And then I go in there and take my licks and go about my day. So it doesn't take long for me to go off the rails. And so a daily devotion is important. A daily walk with Christ. In order for him to be the center of my life, he has to be the center of my day. He has to be the center of my morning. He has to be the center of my noon. He has to be the center of my night. I have four children, and it can get crazy at night. You could want to beat everybody and send them all to bed at 5.30, and I just got home. I'm just saying, anybody with kids know what I mean. I got a mama. She did the same to me. She, she wanted to. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean I'm fine. I turned out fine. Um, but why, 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 is it, why is it important? Okay, I know you've always told me, yeah, we're supposed to read our Bible. We're supposed to pray. We're supposed to do your devotions, you know? And it seems like it's easier for people that are in a place where they have nothing else that they can do but devotions or spend time. Do you know how many inmates read our daily bread? Just take a guess. About 90% of them read the daily bread. I had a friend that called me, and uh, he was so excited. I talked to him. He was locked up, and he said, man, do you know I, I got my GED, and I'm lifting weights now, and I'm reading the Bible? I said, you could have done that on the street, man. You have to go to jail to start all that. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how many, how, many, how many inmates are reading daily versus how many of us that have that freedom because our day happens and because our night happens, and because I've got lunch, and you know I've got to get this report done, and you know I got to be at work early because there's a load coming, or whatever it is, we we can find excuses. Um, but he didn't make an excuse to go to the cross. He didn't make an excuse um, when his father asked him to step out of heaven. But they're not going to accept me. So do I really have to do this? So why is it important for us to have a daily devotion? So I've got a scripture out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. If you have your Bible, please, please bring it out tonight. Um, I don't have nothing against the Bible app. Fantastic. It helps me out in a pinch. But there's something about being able to navigate the Word of God. If you if don't feel bad, if you don't know where a, a book is or a chapter is, there's this handy little tool right in the very front of your Bible, and it will tell you what page the book is. I'm not, I, I, there ain't nothing wrong with that. There ain't no shame. 
I'm not going to try to put up a gate without a screwdriver or a drill. It's a tool. Use it. Learn to navigate God's word. This is your weapon. Do you know there's, there's passages? Somebody say, where's this at? And I'll say, I don't know, but I know that it's on the left-hand side, about at the top. I know I remember seeing it there because I know my weapon. My weapon feels good in my hand. I know how to use it. And I'd love if you guys would be able to know how to use your weapon. Because this is our weapon against the enemy, the wiles of the enemy, should I say. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. And this says, For God said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. If you want to get a suntan, well, I was going to say you got to go lay out in the sun, but now you're like, well, you can go lay in the tanning booth. So there's other ways to get tan, or you can get it sprayed on. But think back 20 years ago, maybe even 30 years ago. If you wanted to get a suntan, you had to go lay out in the sun, and you had to soak in the light. So... In order to get tan, you have to be in the sun. But it takes time spent with the sun for me to absorb his light and to radiate with his presence. When Moses come off the mountain, his face was glowing, the word says, and I bet everybody freaked out just a little bit. Look at his face. This is so weird. He's glowing, and we just made an idol after he just went up there. He, he ain't been up there 30 minutes. And we're like, he's gone. Get the gold. You get him. He had an earring. Let's make a calf. He's not coming back. God has forgotten about us. We saw the sea split. He brought us out of Egypt. We forgot about everything. It's been one day. It's been two days. It's been three days. It's been four days since we've been in his presence. But yet Moses knew the importance to stay in his presence. And what happened when he was in his presence? God spoke to him. God changed him. Even his demeanor, his appearance changed. He absorbed some of the light. I've shared this with my college group a ton of times. They're probably sick of me hearing me say it. I may have even shared it with you guys that when a silversmith is refining silver, If you ask him, how do you know when it's done? Because they have to heat it and they have to do things and the dross comes to the top. So there's a good point. When all your character flaws are coming out and people are noticing them and they're calling you out on your stuff, just know that's the dross coming to the surface so God can sweep that off. Don't be so upset because somebody said, hey, you're being so touchy lately. What's up? You all right? Because that's how I get. I can take my licks if I mess something up, but you start pointing out my character flaws who do you think you are? I'm a child of God. <laughs> but seriously, the dross comes to the top and they skim it off. So the silversmith, if you ask him, how do you know when the silver is refined? And how do you know when the silver is ready? He will say, when I can see my image in it. When he can see his reflection, when he can see his image So for me to portray the image of Christ, I have to spend time in his presence. I have to stop trying to know things about him and get to know him. Because that's where I tend to go off the rails a little bit. 
sometimes. The gospel brings us to God, but devotions keep us close to God. A daily walk with him will keep you close. There's a passage in James chapter 4, verse 8. I'd like everybody to go there. Say amen when you got it. I'll wait. I've got time. James chapter 4, verse 8. She's going to put it up there for you guys. If you left your Bible at home, don't feel bad. Write this down. Go look it up later. Amen. 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 One more and I'm moving on. There it is. All right. Come near to God. And he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That is almost like a hug and a backhand at the same time. I am so encouraged at the beginning and at the end, I am a miss. And that's one verse. If you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Purify yourself, you sinners. Ah, James. See... In the Old Testament, in the, and you got to think, James didn't have the New Testament. James wasn't being encouraged by the scriptures we're encouraged with. James would have known the Old Testament scriptures, and so would have the Jews. And so, uh, would, well, some of the Gentiles may have, but especially the Jews. And when he says, purify your hearts, you double-minded, the Hebrews were familiar with, with the process that a priest had to go to go through in order to come into the presence of God. There was a ceremony. There was things they had to do to actually cleanse their body. They had to, their clothes had to be a certain way. The incense had to be done a certain way. The offering, the sacrifice, it all had to be done a certain specific way. And if he didn't do it right, then he couldn't enter the presence. The Holy of Holies. And so when I read scriptures like this, sometimes I become askewed because in my life, I'll have a daily walk and I'll be, I'll be walking with the Lord and I'm doing my devotions and I'm praying and I'm talking and I'm communing with God and then I mess up. God forbid I have messed up. I have said the wrong thing. I was disrespectful to my wife. I committed sin. I committed a knowing sin. I knew it was wrong and I did it anyway. And now I feel this disconnect between me and God. And so I feel like I have to purify myself before I can come into his presence. Anybody else ever feel like that? Feel like I've got to clean myself up to come to God? Man, I can't go to church. I, I've, I've invited people to church numerous times. They said, man, I just got to I gotta get myself right, man, before I can come. I'm like, what kind of a bonehead statement is that? Look, man, I know my leg is broken, but just let me, put it, let me fix it first, and then I'm going to go to the doctor. Okay? They give me about six weeks. Let me do this, and then I'm going to go and see what's up with it. So, but that's what I do. That's what I do. I mess up. And then I say, I've got to clean myself up. I've got to purify myself, God. I've got to give myself lashes. I don't remember. There was some type of monk that, that would give themselves lashes. I don't remember what it's called. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, is that a monk flail? Yeah, something. That they, that's what they use is a monk flail. But they would actually give themselves a penance. I have sinned. 
And so they would give themselves a penance. And then after they gave themselves X amount of lashes, then they could commune with God. No. <laughs> but I do the same thing, but in my heart. I do the same thing, but in my mind. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were saying, on a scale of zero to seven, how true does this statement feel? Not gave him my answer and um he asked why it wasn't a seven and for some reason there's this sense that i have to feel bad for a certain period of time before i can go back and worship again there's a period not now i'm not talking about the conviction of the holy spirit cut it out justin and I get, my, whoa, whoa, I get my act together. I'm talking about I mess up and then I have this self-grieving period before I can open my Bible again. You know? And then it's almost like a, a dog that's been scolded. I crawl back to the Word and I'm like, let me find a psalm that will comfort me. You know, Because I'm tired of reading James and Romans. <laughs> and I do that and I crawl back and I crawl back. And God has shown me through this that the Old Testament priests had to cleanse themselves. But I can't cleanse myself. What am I going to do? Am I going to? Because it's going to happen again. I'm going to mess up again. And I've got this do I have this twisted notion that I'm going to shake myself free from whatever's holding me down? God, I'm going to break the chains and then I'm going to come to you. He broke the chains. He purifies me by being in his presence. Whatever is in his presence is made clean, regardless if I was clean when I went in or if I was filthy when I went in. Because the word says, though your sins may be as scarlet, they are now white as snow. Kind of like if you put something dirty in the washing machine or you put something clean in the washing machine, they will both come out clean. You don't have to wash your shirt in your sink and then, well, some of you, I don't know what kind of washer you got, but <laughs> typically you don't have to wash it in the sink and then put it in the, in the, in the washing machine. And so that is one thing that keep us from a daily walk with Christ is that we feel that we have to purify ourselves. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So when it happens, not if, but when it happens, when you mess up, when you go off the rails, if you're loud and outgoing like me, it'll typically be your mouth that'll get you in trouble. See, my family laughed. They, they, they were the only ones that laughed. Everyone else took me seriously. Um, Whatever it may be, when you mess up, avoid the trap that you are the one to purify yourself, that you are the one to wash your hands. Run to his presence. Run to the word. Instead of once a day, make it twice a day. However many times. It has to be daily. It has to be Daily, I am devoted to my wife. I made a commitment that I will love this woman for the rest of my life. No matter however many women there are, I'm going to love this one. I'm going to be committed to this one. I'm going to get on her nerves, and that's going to be okay because she's devoted to me too. We're going to raise our children. 
We're going to teach them the goodness of the Lord. We're going to teach them that people do mess up, but it's not about if you messed up, but it's how you respond when you do. And nine times out of ten, the Lord is not looking for you to be perfect. He's looking to see how you're going to respond when you do mess up. Are you going to run from him or you run to him? And a daily communion is vital for that. I don't feel comfortable sharing my life with people I never talked to. Just saying. It's hard for me to confess something I'm struggling with to somebody I never talked to. But then there's those friends. Hopefully you all have at least one of these friends that you used to be so tight and then something happened, life happened, and they moved away. And you can have a conversation and hang up and then finish the conversation a year later like nothing ever happened. You know, like you didn't miss a beat. And see, sometimes God's really cool like that. He'll, he'll whew, I wouldn't want to go that, that, that long without it. But he's not sitting on the other, he's not sitting on the other side of the country saying, I wonder when he's going to call me back, when he's going to pick up the phone. <laughs> wonder what he's doing. I see pictures of his kids on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the type of God we have. He is patient and he is long suffering, but his desire is for you. His desire is to commune with you, right? I was sharing with somebody today, they asked me a question about, um, I, I don't remember the question, but the answer uh, ministered to me. The answer that God gave me was almost, I mean, it was for her, but it was for me. Because when I am seeking something, when I'm seeking a prize, when I'm looking for an answer in Scripture, or I'm looking to want to know something more about him, I miss his presence. But when I'm seeking to just be in his presence, that's when other things happen. That's when blessings come. That's when I find a prize that I was never looking for. I did not give my wife a diamond engagement ring the first day we met. I spent time getting to know her. I spent time in her presence. And the more time I spent in her presence, the more I realized I never want to lose this. Come what may, I want to see this person every day. Even when she can't stand me and I can't stand her. And we want to send the kids to bed at 530. But I want to see her every day. I want to talk to her every day. I want to love on her. I want to grow with her because I'm devoted to her. But yet in my walk with the Lord... I know that he is kind. I know that he is patient. I know that he is long-suffering. And so I've got this sense that, well, he'll be there. So I'll just come right back if I come back. I tell kids all the time that, that just get right out of high school, and they're like, I want to go live for a while, and then I'm going to come back. And I'm like, no. I am a success story, okay? But I am the exception, okay? So don't... Don't tell yourself, well, Justin was a drug addict and went to jail, and they look at him now. He's fine. That's not the norm. 
<laughs> not, not everybody has the opportunity to come up here and share the goodness of the Lord in their life. Not everybody has that eye-opening road to Damascus. The majority of them don't. The majority of them are the ones reading the daily bread and they're talking about, I got my GED and I'm lifting weights now. If they do get the privilege to live. And so I tell them, there's no guarantee you're going to make it back. There's no guarantee that once you stop walking with God daily, that you're going to start again. There's no guarantee. There's been plenty of people, um, past, present, and future, that have just walked away from the faith one day at a time. One day at a time. They didn't start out on day one saying, you know what, I really don't believe this. They still believed it day one. They still lived it, breathed it. And, and please hear me, hear my heart. I am not saying that if you don't do this, then this will happen. But I want to share the power that the presence of God has in your life by walking with him and communing with him daily. Daily. Christ asks us to cleanse ourselves by drawing near to him. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Say amen when you got it. Y'all are so quick. I don't, that cannot be a real Bible that you have if that's how quick it happened. That cannot be real. You did not know what I was going to say. Do you mind if I get a water? Thank you so much. I'll put a dollar up there, I promise. Okay, here we go. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. As I alluded to before, you cannot do this yourself. The priest would sprinkle the blood on the altar. But Christ has poured out his blood for me. I love the line that says, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. I believe, and this is opinion, that guilt and shame is the main reason that we don't commune with God on a daily basis. Guilt and and shame. Those are two totally different things. You can feel guilty about something and not be ashamed of it. But you can be set free from your sin and carry the shame and weight from it for years. For years. So I love it when he says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. To me, that says, no matter what you're bringing with you, come to him. No matter what's in these suitcases, if you've got people behind you bringing stuff that's not theirs but yours, if it's that much junk, bring it in full assurance of faith. Bring it to him. This is what he's saying. Give me what you've got, and I'll cleanse it. I'll make it pure. I'll make it holy. Let's commune. Let's have time together. What is included with that? 
the most vital part of my life is the word of God. The word of God. I've talked to people that I'm really close to, and they say, man, I just have a hard time hearing God speak. I'm like, dude, there is so much right here. I mean, you see how big this Bible is. I mean, some of you, it's on your phone, but it's thousands and thousands of pages. God has poured out his heart. He has revealed his character. He has shown his goodness. He has given me instruction. He has provided a way of escape for sin, for thought patterns. That's the biggest, that's one of the biggest things in my life. It's my thought life and how it relates to a daily devotional. You know, before God said, let there be light, he had a thought, I'll make me a world. Let's make a world. Boom, let there be light. And then the big bang happened, you know. But thought preceded word, and words produced thought. So what words am I speaking if I don't know the words of God? Am I speaking noble words? Am I speaking true words? Am I speaking trustworthy statements? Am I speaking encouraging things? And I know the scripture out of Philippians 4, it says, whatsoever is noble and pure and of good report, think on these things. And the reason you need to think on those things is because what you say is a direct influence from what you think. What are you thinking about? Springhouse Worship and Arts Center. This started as a thought. It did. There are so many television shows now that I don't, I see as a society and as a people, we are no longer thinkers. Somebody, somebody designed this shirt and made this shirt up. Somebody designed the clothes that you're wearing. Somebody thought about a better way. Let's make a loom and then we'll weave it and then we'll get other machines to do this and then we'll mass produce them. And that all took thought. That all took thought. But we got shows like Honey Boo Boo. And, I mean, it, it takes no thought for that. And I'm not talking about honey boo boo. Hear me out. I'm just saying. I mean, as a society, we have become dumbed down. Everything is, let me watch somebody else's life and I don't have to live mine. And then I start thinking the way they're acting. I don't know if that just may be me, but if I start watching a bunch of junk, I start thinking about junk and I start talking about junk. But when I'm thinking about the word of God, when I'm meditating on it, I start speaking the word of God. And things around me change. The whole atmosphere shifts. So thoughts produce words, and words produce thoughts. So reading his word will help you to put on the mind of Christ. It will help you to know who he is. I just so don't want to keep knowing about God. I can tell you all the books in order. I can do the Bible drills. I know how many animals were on the ark. No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> gotcha there. But I know there was one male and there was one female of everything, you know. I know how long they were on there, but I don't, I don't want to just know things about God. I want to know him. I want to know his heartbeat. I want to know when I should shut my mouth. I want to know when I should pay for that person's meal. I want to know when I should give somebody a hug. I want to know when I should leave them alone. 
Has anybody ever known that it's okay to just, when you see somebody crying, to not walk over there and just, hey, honey, you know? Sometimes uh, there are some people, they just need a moment. They just need a moment. And you all up in their face, it's going to be all right. May not be appropriate in every situation. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Okay? Because there's Ecclesiastes will tell you that there's a time and a season for everything. Right? So walking and communing with God helps me know that by reading his word reading the words that he has given me. The word gives life. It is life. This is referred to as a rhema word, which means alive. It is a living word. This word is not dead because it was changing lives thousands of years ago, and it will change your life today, tonight, right now, if you let it, because it has power. What else is included in daily devotions? Prayer. Prayer is two-way. That's important. That's really important. I don't know if me and my wife would ever got married if I did all the talking. I'm just saying. I even get in trouble now. She says, are you listening to me? Yes, I'm listening to you. What did I just say? Something about stuff. I do it all the time. She's like, I'm so mad at you right now. She's going to kill me when she watches this. Um, but she's devoted to me. So you know what? Tomorrow we have another opportunity to go at it again. Um, prayer, 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 prayer. The most important thing I do for my children in the morning is not get them dressed for school and give them a bowl of Cocoa Puffs. The most important thing that I do for them is the thing that, that sometimes they don't see when I'm at my desk and I'm praying over them. When I say, God, help them to walk upright. You know, and, I, and there's days where I, I lay hands on my children before, before I leave or before they leave and, and, and I pray over them. And, um, but there's something so special about praying and covering your family, covering your spouse. I saw this picture going over around on Facebook, and it's this big, strong guy, and he's holding back this big piece of concrete, and then behind him is his wife down on her knees and the daughter, and they're both praying, and it's like she's covering him. He thinks that he's got the strength to hold this up, but it's only because his wife is covering him in prayer. I thought it was a cool picture. I don't know where to find it, so don't ask me afterwards. Um, I just thought it was cool because she's covering him. There's books that you can go to Lifeway or that new Christian bookstore uh, by Sport Clips and the, the Babies Are Us. You can go there and find it. And it's like the power of a praying wife and about covering. I'm not plugging the book. I don't have a deal with the publisher or anything. Um, but there's all kind of books. There's all kind of books about praying for your spouse and praying for your children. And, and somebody might be on to something. And, and, and if you don't want to go buy books, th- there's, there's passages in here that talk about covering each other that cover your spouse and protecting them and and praying for your children. Confession is a big part of it. And I don't mean you go in there with your list. Well, God, I said two cuss words yesterday. Um, Had a bad attitude with the lady at the drive-thru and um, didn't mow my grass. And I promised my wife I would. So that's my list. Can we, I need some forgiveness and uh, we'll start this meeting here. And, and two people laugh, but I think everybody's kind of done that before. 
And we, and we went in there with our list. And then we say it to God, and it's like, ah, I feel better. I feel better. And as cheesy as that sounds, it is kind of kinda that simple. Kind of that simple. Because the scriptures we just read said, come to God with a sincere heart. Just come with him sincerely. I messed up, okay? I am going off the rails. I am having a rough time at work, God. I don't want to be here. I hate my job. Help me with this. That's a confession. It don't have to be all the uh, your laundry list of, of things you're doing wrong or things you're doing right. It could be things you're doing right. God, I am doing awesome at work. I'm getting promotions. I got a company truck, and I haven't becoming prideful. Help me with that because I don't want to. I don't want to think it's on my own. That's part of confession. And with confession, there is an optional repentance. And I say optional. The word says confess and turn from your sins. Turn from your sin. Repent. But we make it optional. We say, I don't have to turn from it. I just have to you know, lean out of the way of it every now and then, and I'll be fine. Intercessory. Intercessory prayer is important. And some people are called to intercessory prayer. And sometimes that's not a good thing. You don't say, I'm an intercessor. It's like, like nice to meet you. Because I've seen things happen um, to my wife where all of a sudden she gets this overwhelming feeling like a heavy weight has been put on her for a person. And until she stops immediately what she is doing, and goes and prays whatever is in her spirit, the feeling has not left her. And the scriptures talk about watchmen that stand out on top of the wall and peer out into the darkness and report what they see. And sometimes that's a part of it. Sometimes God has something that that he's asking you to do that's not for you. But since you think it's not for you and it's got to be about me, then I'm not going to do this every day. Somebody else may be counting on the word he's going to give you tomorrow morning that you don't get. Because it's not always for me. It's not always to encourage me. How many times, poll question, how many times have you just been talking to somebody and something comes up you like, and you say, you know, I read the other day and it's like the exact word and it does something to them and their spirit. And they're like, oh my God, how did you know? God has had me at this scripture. Everywhere I go, I see be still and know that I'm God. Everywhere I see it's be still and know that I'm God. You know? Has that ever happened to anybody? Happened to me a lot. Praise and worship is a vital part of a daily devotion. You could, if you, if you did that, if you did it in this order, if you said, all right, I'm going to read the word and then I'm going to pray and then I'm going to praise and worship. A lot of times that praise and worship can carry the whole remainder of the day. It can. You'll be in your truck jamming. People think you're crazy and that's okay. Or you could be silent and still and be praising God. I mean, all of creation cries out. Isn't that what it says? I mean, you look at, the, look at the trees. The trees, they grow up. I mean, they're praising God. every time. They're not doing nothing but standing there with their 
limbs up. Dude, it's you. It's all about you, God. I mean, the waves. The waves rise up, and then they crash down. I mean, think about it. Everything is praising him. Even the silence, the stillness. And Jesus said, if, if you don't praise me, these rocks will cry out. I'm just saying. I'm not going to let no rock out praise me. Every day. Every day. Every day. And there are effects, positive and negative, that happen behind this. And so I want to share um, briefly about the last month of my life, okay? I had this tremendous spiritual breakthrough. If anybody was here that heard my testimony when I spoke on Sunday morning, you know, I shared something deeply personal that affected me for a large part of my childhood. And about a month and a half ago, um, I had this amazing breakthrough and God showed me a vision. And in that vision, I saw the, the little boy me as the grown me now. And then the Lord, um, he allowed me to watch him go back in time and heal that memory. So I watched him. It was this weird time loop, transcendent moment where I watched him heal a memory that I had when I was like 10. And I had this amazing breakthrough, and I'm crying, and I'm, this isn't real. This can't be real. But all of the emotions behind that memory were gone. You know, the negative things, the triggers when you see a name or you hear a phrase or you smell something and it brings up and your stress level goes up, it was instantly gone. It was instantly gone. And I remember watching my, my little self standing in front of the Lord and his head was held down and he was ashamed of what he'd done. And then I saw the Lord stand in front of me and I hung my head because I was ashamed of my life. And I'll never forget it. He spoke these words to me in that moment about a month and a half ago. He said, Justin, I am okay with you. I'm okay with you. And regardless of what I've done, the things I've said, I'm okay with me now. You know? And so I had that moment. I had that moment, and I was on this spiritual, I mean, I had a bounce to my step, you know, I'm like, yeah, that was God and stuff. And um, for about three or four days, I was on this spiritual high, and then, you know, went back to my normal walk. But in that three or four days, I had plateaued, I was on such a high that I didn't need I didn't need my daily walk because I just had this tremendous experience with him. I didn't need nothing to keep me grounded because God had a, done a miracle in my life. I had a breakthrough and I almost became prideful in a way. And it's almost like as if a boxer lands a good punch and then he drops his hands. What's going to happen? If you're in a fight and you put your hands down by your side, if you don't know, I will tell you what happens. You're going to get knocked out, okay? Okay? It's going to hurt. You're going to get hit. Even if you don't get knocked out, you're going to get hit if you drop your hands. And spiritually, that's what I did. This is not long ago. This is about a month and a half ago. I dropped my hands. One day turned to two. Two days turned to five. Five days turned to ten days. 
I started noticing that my work performance, actually, I didn't start noticing, but my work performance went like this. Wow! Because I had 50 things to do at this place, and I have seven to do over here, and 10 here, and three here, and 15 there, and six over here, and 35. I had all this stuff to do, and instead of attacking it, or um, at least trying to bite, eat an elephant one bite at a time, I was just like, ah, it's too much. I have 1,000 things to do. I will do them tomorrow. And I'll do those tomorrow, and then I'll do those tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow, and I just kept putting it off, putting it off, until my boss was like, what are you doing, man? So my job suffered. I, um, I became irritable for no reason. Like, ah, the littlest things. My wife had a talk with me. Um, she said... <laughs> She said, yeah, she did. She had to talk with me. She said, what is your problem? I don't know. Well, you need to figure it out. I don't like you right now. She would say things to me, like, like it's not even like a little critique or anything. And I've become so defensive. I would take it personal, you know, like you're pointing out my, I told you, I don't like those character flaws. Don't point out what I'm doing wrong. Because I don't like that. She would point that out, I'd jump down her throat. I was disrespectful to her by doing that. I was rude to people that was helping me. People was helping me move. And I'm being, that don't go there. Put that over here. Why did you set that down right there? Can you not take it up to the, he's like, you're helping me out. And here I am. That does not go there. It goes there. You know, I was just a complete jerk. Everything was going off the rails. And God, in his graciousness, did not stop me when it started for this reason, for tonight. Because he allowed me to walk for about a month to see what can happen in four short weeks without my daily walk with him. It did not take long. I come into, I was talking to my pastors, and I was like, man, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm going crazy. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm being mean. I'm rude. I'm, I'm messing up. And one of them said, pow, read your Bible. And I was like, ah, <laughs> ah. Now, it didn't, it didn't really happen like that. Our pastors don't slap each other. <laughs> but that's what, he, that's, that's what he did. Like, he knew right away. He knew right away. I said, man, I, I'm, I'm being rude to people. I'm being disrespectful. My work performance is suffering. Everything in my life is going, you know, sketchy. And the first thing he said was, are you reading your word? Are you in the Bible? Are you, are you practicing the presence? Are you meeting with him? Are you communing with him? And he didn't just want to know, am I reading a, section, a certain section of scriptures a day that a pastor's quota has to be? That's not what he meant. He said, are you in his face? Are you having a relationship with God? Because everything stemmed from that, and it all made sense. It was this aha moment and all this duh at the same time. Like, how can I be so dumb to think that it's anything less than that in my life? Because as a Christian, it is vital to have a daily walk. It is vital. I don't know how people make it through cancer. I don't know how people make it through death of a, of a, a spouse. I don't know how people make it through life without a daily walk with Christ. 
Because this world is not getting better. We are so upset about decisions that are outside of our control. And at the same time, I'm becoming like my, my elders in the sense of, could it be today? The worse it gets, the more I anticipate, could today be the day he cracks the sky? So it doesn't bother me as much. It doesn't affect me as much because I have a relationship with the one who holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. I have a relationship, a daily walk that I sometimes neglect, but that has been kind enough to show me how important that is. So there's other effects of a daily walk instead of the the adverse effects. And I'm going to read a few of these. You are attentive to his voice and his leading. When you have a, a, a daily walk with Christ, when you have a daily walk with him, when you talk with him, you know his voice. There's been times in my life where I've heard God speak, and I say, is that you, God? And he'd say, he does this to me all the time. He says, you know my voice. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll do it. Or I'm doubting him, and he says, you know my voice. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. I'm, oh, and you're confident. Your countenance is raised with a daily walk with Christ because you're in his presence. Remember the suntan? Too much of it, you get a sunburn, but I don't think you can get too much Jesus. I mean, I know some people that talk about Jesus a lot. Like you can't even watch a basketball game. You know, if Jesus was here, you know. come on, man. It's the finals, man. I mean, don't hear me wrong. Don't hear me wrong. Don't hear me wrong. Your attitude is straightened because... In just a few short days since the slap, get back to it, man, my whole attitude is different. I'm serious. Uh, my wife asked me yesterday, she said, where's my husband? What'd you do with it? You know, I'm showing her pictures like, I got the baby gate up, and I got the threshold done, and I did this, and I went to the dump. And she's like, yeah, you're back. Because I had a good attitude about it. and said, I went to the dump because you asked me to go to the dump. Your conscience of sin and that is a big key when you spend time in his presence you become more aware of sin and things that harm you we've kind of lost that we the whole love the sinner hate the sin love the sinner hate the sin right but if i was up here and i was going to chop my hand off you would probably there'd probably be one of you say don't do it it's gonna hurt you but we will sit back passively and watch people commit sin without saying, stop, this is going to hurt you, man. And a daily walk with Christ help us to become conscious of sin in our own lives and those people around us. Because this is not a solo dolo effort. This is a group. This is a team effort. I need you and you need me, like it or not. You become kind towards others. I don't like mean people because I'm non-confrontational. It's hard to be kind to mean people. But you got to think, hurting people hurt others. If you're hurting, if people are hurting, 
if, they're, if, people are, if people are hurtful or mean or harmful or unkind, nine times out of ten, they're hurting. There's something going on. And you're able to even be kind to those people because I was that guy about a month ago. And my brothers and sisters that have been in the Word were like, you know what, man? We forgive you. We love you, man. Where do you want this stuff, you know? You are generous when you spend time in his presence. You're able to give the same grace you find in him. I just bought a new house, and already a couple of things were wrong, like the toilet was leaking. And I could have flipped out. This is a brand new house. But see, I work in a construction industry, and so I know that you got to give grace. And finally, you increase in knowledge. So I'll leave you with this, Psalm 73, 28. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge, and I will tell of all your deeds. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you that you desire to be with us, that you desire to be near us, that you will and can do all things to make yourself known to your people, that you are not a God that is afar off, but you are as near and close as a whisper. Father, we ask that you would draw us close to you, that you would draw us out of ourselves, that you would help us to walk with you daily, that you would help us to become attentive to your voice, Father, that we may not only know things about you, but that we would know you more. Father, we thank you that you are devoted. We thank you that you can make us devoted as well. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.